Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share financial information that helps you in both your life and financial vineyard. We hope it takes you from your roots to the journey of your vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft your delicious life. Like wine, life and finances have different palettes that should be celebrated and not judged. Hi, Wine and Dime listeners, Amy Irvine, CEO and founder here of Rooted Planning Group. I am so excited to have Carrie Bean joining me today on this podcast, where we talk about something called asset allocation. And I asked Carrie to be co-hosting this episode with me today because Carrie, as we were talking about this particular topic, said, I hate that phrase. And so <laughs> I said, okay, you have to come on and talk about it. Carrie, welcome to the show again. Hello, hello. <laughs> and Carrie, you and I have hung out a little bit, both in person and over Zoom and other types of uh, gatherings. And we tend to drink Malbecs together when we get the chance. So I thought I'd give a shout out to the Malbec world. Um, if you're looking for something good to drink, there's tons of good Malbecs out of, out of Argentina. There's also a couple out of Lubbock's, Texas that you might want to try. So that'll be my recommendation of today is go to your favorite uh, liquor store or grocery store and pick up a Malbec and here's to Amy and Carrie and the asset allocation conversation. <laughs> <laughs> And as you can probably tell by listening to me, my voice is struggling just a little bit. So instead of listening to me today, you're going to get the pleasure, thankfully, of listening more to Carrie than you are to me. So Carrie, take it away. Tell us, um, tell the, tell the listeners, you know, what is it that you uh, despise so much about asset allocation or the term, um, I should say? Yeah. Well, just to preface with, I think one important note is I was originally a career changer, so I did not start my career in the financial planning industry, um, but I had some knowledge. I was fortunate enough to be uh, raised by a father who educated me a sum on retirement and investments and had just a, a little bit of a high level understanding of things. And I knew what asset allocation sort of meant. But prior to, to being a financial planner, I went into an advisor's office and he, I don't know if he realized it or not, but he used a lot of terminology and it just felt like he was speaking above me mm. um, and didn't seem to care about my thoughts or any of the questions I really asked. So that's actually what really forced me to make a career decision and decide that I wanted to do this. Um, and my biggest pet peeve uh, has always been the terminology 
And I think it's not anyone's fault or any, you know, anything that anyone does. It's probably the same in every industry. When we start using words, we get used to them and we use them with each other. And then we start assuming that the client knows what we're talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's always a fair assumption. And we just get used to it. It just Mm -hmm. becomes natural for us. Yeah. In fact, Carrie, you and I did a presentation together uh, out in Oklahoma um, to the teacher, to one of the teachers uh, groups. And we were, I was talking and you were talking and I, I said something about asset allocation and you, you stopped me for a split second and said, hold on a minute, let me take a step back and, and kind of explain what she's talking about when she says those kinds of terms, which was great. Cause it was fun. It was flirty. It was, you know, people laughed. It was great. But when you're talking to people about asset allocation, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I think to back it up even a little bit further, when when people think about their life and, and the ways they want to save money and the types of accounts and, you know, specifically retirement investment accounts, you need to think about what, what are going to be inside of those accounts. How are we going to invest that money? And one of the first things that we do is walk our clients through what we call a risk tolerance questionnaire or a risk assessment. And a lot of times clients aren't even familiar with that questionnaire or have never filled one out. Or even if they have, they still sort of don't feel like they know all the answers to the questions. Um, So that's a good way to start is why is asset allocation important? Well, it's important because one, we, we can invest your money for you and we can invest it in some things that we think are great, but we need to be thinking about what is great for you and your situation and what are you comfortable with. So that's sort of how we start with that risk tolerance questionnaire. And we'll walk you through that questionnaire and talk about all of that. And it'll, it'll give us a result. And sometimes that's how we invest based on that result. But it's also even another opportunity to open up additional conversation and how do they want to be invested um, and what should their asset allocation be. Um, so just thinking about asset allocation as a term, it's what is the mixture of investments within your account or with your entire portfolio? And portfolio is another word that can be confusing <laughs> too. Um because you may have, you know, more than one account um, and and you need to think about, well, how is this account invested? If I have a Roth IRA, how is it invested? How is my 401k invested? So you need to be thinking about the allocation of all of those accounts, either individually or collectively as your portfolio for a fancy word there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the other thing that we often talk about when we're thinking about asset allocation is asset location, right? <clears throat> Maybe give a little bit of an explanation about what that is when we talk about it. Yeah. So, you know, thinking about the asset allocation, circling back down on that a little bit, that is really just what percentage of your investments should be in equities or stocks. Um, and then what percentage should be in bonds or fixed income, meaning a little bit more potentially conservative. Um, But even a bigger picture of that is what type of account are we putting them in? Mm -hmm. Um, And that can get really complex and go down a a whole other rabbit trail. But I think that's important. And if you're working with an advisor, it's important to understand why they're doing what they're doing. So even thinking about stocks, if I say, and and another 
another thing, another one of my pet peeves. <laughs> Equities and stocks are often used in place of each other. And sometimes clients may not realize that also because sometimes we use equities Um, and equities can mean, you know, a mutual fund or an ETF or a stock um, that's not a bond to keep it Mm -hmm. simple. You know, it's, it's all in the, in the market of equities or stocks. Yeah, so somebody owns those companies, right? So when we're thinking about stocks, we're thinking about or ETFs that are made up of stocks or mutual funds that are made up of stocks. It means that ultimately there's equity in those companies. And that's why the the two go back and forth. So, you know, as, as to how they got how they can be flipped back and forth like that, it's because when you own a stock, you own a portion of that company. Yeah. And then I think too, thinking about bonds and and fixed income CDs, things like that. Um, you know, that's often owned inside of your account and your in can be owned in different types of accounts. Um, and, and to keep it even more confusing, you can own a mutual fund <laughs> or an ETF that holds both bonds and stocks. So it can get complicated and you can confuse yourself. Um, the biggest takeaway on that is just making sure you understand what one is versus the other and how it can get complex because there are so many different stocks, bonds, mutual mm-hmm. funds, ETFs available for us to purchase. Yeah. And I think that that's something that, okay, so maybe maybe rephrasing that just a little bit. When we think about asset allocation, even at the granular level, it's the don't put all your eggs in one basket idea, right? And I've said that to, I said that to somebody not too long ago and they said, well, what does that mean? And again, it goes back to what you said, Carrie, like the, the jargon that we use, that's a big jargon terminology. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Well, no, nobody understood. Like, I don't think we've ever actually fully explain what that means. So, and why we've connected that phrase with that. The reason that we say, don't put all your eggs in one basket is if you think about the way that you might go like, okay, if you're going to get eggs out of a hen house, right. And you put them all in one basket and you trip and fall. If you have them all in one baskets, then they could all break. And so that phrase, don't put them all in one basket is really meaning don't own one stock. Or one type of stock, like don't own just technology stocks or just bank stocks or just real estate stocks. Don't, you know, don't own just one of anything or any one type of thing. So, and then you build out from there and say, okay, but don't own just stocks either. Own some stocks and fixed income. And fixed income is another one where what does fixed income mean? Because that could be bonds. That could be annuities, right? Because annuities can generate fixed income. That could be money market. That could be cash. Anything that generates a, has sort of a fixed coupon kind of attached to it. How do you explain fixed income when you're talking about that? The easiest way to, like in my mind, to think it's not an equity or a stock, but it can be a whole lot of different things. It's it's a more conservative, um, potentially slower growth, not always. I mean, if you think about a CD right now, interest rates are higher than normal and we're getting, you know, higher than normal interest rates on on CDs. Um, But it's just a more conservative way to invest your money in um, bonds or CDs or annuities, things like that. Um, That's more of a, I guess it gives you more of a little bit of a peace of mind 
um, that, that's not as volatile as, you know, in theory, as potentially a stock is. Obviously, there's volatile bonds and things like that, depending on what's going on in the economy. But just a, a, another way to, again, not put all your eggs in one basket. I think I have a very simplified way of explaining a bond that was maybe that makes my mind, you know, coming from a non-financial advisor background when I was going back to school to do this, my favorite way to talk about bonds are, you know, like when, when a stadium is built, you know, they will issue bonds to someone and you can say, oh, I, I would like to buy a bond to help build this stadium. And mm-hmm. you buy a hundred dollar bond and in five years, you know, you get back, you know, $125 or something. They are using your money and you are promised something in return mm-hmm. at a later date. So that's a very simplified way to think about a bond, mm-hmm. but I like it. It makes sense to me because mm-hmm. I feel like when we think about government bonds or things like that, it's not as fun to explain and it doesn't stick in my memory <laughs> as well. So that's a bond or a simplified way to explain a bond. Um, so you've got this Easter egg basket or this basket of eggs, I shouldn't say Easter eggs, but the basket of eggs that Amy talked about and you've got potentially a lot of different things in your basket and you've got, you could have individual stocks and then you could have like mutual funds and you can have ETFs and you can have a lot of things. You can have CDs in your basket. So you're carrying around your basket and you, you are really, you have really allocated your assets and you're doing well. Um, but another thing to think about once you understand all of that, everything in your basket, and that basket might be your 401k or an IRA or any one count account that you own. But another thing we like to educate clients on is should you have another basket? And mm-hmm. what type of account is that basket? And why should you have that basket? Um, so for example, if you work at a big company, you may have a 401k and you're carrying around your 401k basket. Well, that 401k is tied to a to an age, really. It's, it's tied to 59 and a half. And you really don't need to take any of your eggs out of that basket until you reach, reach that age. Um, and that's just the current current law. Um, so if you do take it out, there's obviously before that there's a penalty and we won't go too far down that. But so what you like to educate clients on, well, what other types of baskets are there and should you have one and what are your options? So, you know, another basket could be an, a regular IRA or a Roth IRA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or a brokerage slash investment account, which just means you can put money into an account that's not tied to any type of retirement. Um, so that's an option. So you have a lot of options of baskets. So you got egg options and then you also <laughs> have basket options. Um, and I think once you start down that path where you've gathered your basket and you're starting to get another basket and you're starting to gather eggs, that's really where we like to educate and think about asset allocation. You know, do you own bonds? Do you own stocks or equities? And and then what should you have in each basket? Should you should you consider like maybe having 
a certain type of equity in a Roth IRA basket. You know, mm-hmm. we start, you know, we start educating clients on that side of things too. And that's where the tax piece really can come into play as well. Not only do you have to think about asset allocation, but sometimes it's important to think about tax allocation as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's an important topic of discussion, one that we could probably, um, spend, you and I could probably spend hours talking about just in, in general, because one of the things that I I think we've talked about maybe on this show, I'm not sure, when people start working with me, it, it, well, let me back up. It's why I like start starting to work with people in their 20s and 30s, because when people start working to me in their late 40s, early 50s or beyond, We have to sort of course correct, if that's the right terminology, for some things that they've done, thinking that they were doing the best things for themselves, right? And one of those areas is that people, they've heard, it's been ingrained in their mind, that they need to maximize their 401k contribution. And so they've done that for years. They've maximized their 401k contribution, and they have saved really well in that particular account. But that's the only account that they have money saved. In. So if they need money, if they're ha- if they have an emergency, if their kids are going off to college or something like that, the only source they actually have is their 401k. So they're like retirement rich, but cash flow or asset poor right now. And so when you talk about having those different baskets with different tax reasons, that's why we say to people, Ideally, and this is ideally, in an ideal world, we'd love to have a third in pre-tax, like your 401k or IRA or something that's pre-tax, a third in Roth, which is considered tax-free, and then a third in brokerage that you can get to if you need it for anything. And that's kind of our tip for the majority of people. And there's always the exception to the rule. So I just want to make sure that everybody knows like this is our jet, this is general advice. This is not something that everybody should follow, but um, just, you know, putting our disclosure out there. But I think it's important that if we can get started early talking about asset location, asset allocation and, and asset, asset type in general, that it really sets you in the right direction early on instead of having to course correct. Are there other things that you'd like to share with people when you're talking about portfolio management in general? Um, I worry, worry about, you know, making this sound overly complicated and it causing inaction for some people. And I uh-huh. don't want that. So if you're out there and you're you're not working with an advisor and you're trying to DIY yourself, don't um, don't let this terminology scare you. You can Google it. You can look up anything. Um, take the time to educate yourself. You know, just because, you know, we've gave some thoughts and around assets and tax and these things and that um, don't let it intimidate you. And that was kind of our reason for wanting to do this podcast anyway, is, you know, Amy mentioned, <laughs> talking about asset allocation and I perked up because it it does drive me crazy when I hear that terminology used and I can see on a client's face or even in the audience just that blank stare because yeah. it and it is it, it's like you know if you if you think about what the words mean it does make sense you know the mm-hmm. asset is 
the, you know, equities and bonds within account. That's the thing that you owned. So that is the asset. And how it is allocated, it might be 60% equities and 40% bonds. So that's really just big picture what that means. Um, but for me, and I think for our firm, it's really important that our clients understand the terminology. And if they don't, they know they can reach out to us or ask us during a meeting. And I will say, you know, Google things also, but be aware of your sources. There are... Yeah, um, yeah. I have seen things, um, people giving advice <laughs> that's scary. Um, but for the most part, you know, a simple Google with a trustworthy link there, you, you guys know, you know, who you can, some of the different, uh, you know, particular investment things you can trust online. I would, you know, I wouldn't, uh, just listen to anyone. So that sort <laughs> of comes to mind as we, you know, kind of get to the end of this and think about what should people walk away with. And that's the big thing is to think about how are you invested? Mm -hmm. What are your eggs and what are your baskets? And I think, Carrie, you know, there are some in today's world, maybe we can spend just a minute talking about this, but there are, in today's world, there are some ways, because often I'll get the question, how do I get started? And I think in today's world, you know, there have, there have been some, what I would call target date or risk-based funds, right? That people can mm-hmm. invest in, and then they can dig down into what those funds hold. And then they can dig down into what those funds hold, Mm-hmm. You know, so there's like layers with that stuff, um, you know, and I've been asked, is that a good way to start? And I think any way of investing is a good way to start. But I'd love your two cents on that. I think so. I've noticed over time, it seems like a lot of 401k providers will have a list of, you know, within your 401k, you're not, you don't have unlimited choices. And often there are those target date funds or kind of pre put together funds Mm -hmm. that I think are great. You know, if you go in and you see like, oh, there's a a target date fund, what they do is they'll just like kind of think about your age. If if you're 20, they'll pick a target date fund, you know, to be around the year that you would be retiring. And so what Mm -hmm. that does is it, it takes care of the allocation for you. So that target date fund will say, oh, this person is 25 years old. They're not going to retire in theory until 65. So we have 40 years of investing here. So Mm -hmm. they're going to be more risky in your 20s. And then as Mm -hmm. you approach 65, that that allocation automatically updates for you in that fund. Mm -hmm. There is a manager managing that fund on the back end. So you don't have to think about it and you don't have to worry about it. So it's a great Mm -hmm. way uh, to do that. And then within those funds, um, a lot of times you'll have three or four different funds. So like, for example, if you had a, tar- a target date fund, there would potentially be a total stock market fund. And that mm-hmm. may be, for example, a fund that mimics the S&P 500 or what we call domestic or U.S. Uh, large companies. So that would be a chunk of your target date fund going into that. And there may be a chunk of your fund going into like a international stock fund. Mm -hmm. So a portion would be a portion of that fund. It's like a, 
egg with it's eggs within an egg <laughs> to keep it confusing. Maybe like caviar. <laughs> so you've inside you've got, you know, inside of your inside of your target date fund, you have, like I mentioned, the U.S. funds, the international funds. And then you may have a portion of bonds also mm-hmm. within that. Um, and as time goes on, the percentage that's in, for example, say the U.S. funds and the international stock funds, that's going to be a lot higher when you're younger. But as you approach, mm-hmm. they're going to kind of maybe beef up the bond portion mm-hmm. of that fund. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a lot to take in. But that's yeah. I, well, I do like I, the target date funds. Yeah, I'm a fan too to get people started. And um, you know, I want to I want to just say thank you, Carrie, so much for joining us today. Um, we hope that all of you have enjoyed listening to the show. Certainly, we hope that you share it with your friends and family and, you know, that it's something that you walked away with some additional information. And if you get a moment, feel free to go out on uh, iTunes and rate us so that more people like you can find out about us. And shout out to TJ Mian at Mian Media. We sure do appreciate fixing all those faux pas and blending so that, uh, you know, during the listening process, you don't have to listen to some of the crazy stuff stuff that we do during the recording process. Thanks, TJ. And thanks, everyone, for listening. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at RootedPG for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.